Welcome to the Drug Futurisms Podcast, where we give you the space-time to imagine different and possible drug worlds. We talk to drug policy experts from drug users and activists to academics and ask them the question they so rarely get to answer. What could a better future hold? Welcome, everyone, to the Drug Futurisms Podcast. I am Claire Zagorski. And I'm Alex Betzos. Yay. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again today. We are joined on this particular day by my friend, Mallory Colbert. And I met Mallory at UT Austin, and we both went to school. And she is now a data engineer. She is a sex educator, a sociology buff, and the creator of the Afrofuturism zine, which we are um, very, very excited to talk more about with her and how it intersects with harm reduction and drug use and much more excitingness. So welcome, Mallory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm quite excited to be here. Always love talking to y'all. This is Already fun. <laughs> <laughs> Excited. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, your um, your zine is called uh, Joya um, Number One, um, and um, I'm wondering if you could like maybe um, tell us a bit um, about it um, and like what went into making uh, making it. What was the inspiration? Yeah. So first off. Um, Joya Noir. I'm also not really saying it right. I'm not like, I don't speak French. <laughs> but it means black joy. So that's what I named it for. Um, especially because it was like, a, it's like a futurisms kind of zine rather than like being stuck in the past and moving towards like a liberated future. Um, a joyful future. Exactly. A joyful future. And trying to live that, embody that in my everyday. <laughs> It's such a beautifully done scene too. Um, no. I think Alex and I both like commented on that, like independently of one another. Um, so I'm especially excited to talk to you simply because it's so obviously a passion project and it's, you're the only one that worked on it, right? Like it's kind of your baby. Definitely. <laughs> Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about some of the, some of the topics and the highlights that you hit upon and in your first issue and why those were especially important to you to kind of come out the gate with as like priority topics. Yeah. So the first issue actually sets up kind of the context for the second one, I think. So it's giving. Is there a second <laughs> one? Yeah, there's two. Um, there's just like the first and second. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Oh, so bad. Bad interview, Alex. Bad interview. Yeah, truly. No, I think that the first one, honestly, I like that one best. Um, I think if I remember bringing them in the right order, because the first one is uh, talking about like the drug war and everything kind of like 
I think this is what's happening. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how I like ordered them. But if 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 memory serves me right, <laughs> then the first one is giving like a contextualized, um, like and also racialized view of the drug war in a way that I don't think a lot of people don't really think about it, um, unless you're like really in this work and like doing it. Um, but giving a lot of historical context, I thought was really important. Um, and then building off of that um, from there, I thought it was like a really great way to kind of introduce people to the information. Because I also feel like, yeah, I mean, I felt at the time, especially when I was making it, that people try to introduce like anti-racism and like harm reduction in really like baby terms. And while I think that that can be helpful sometimes, I think that it's super important to not treat people like they're stupid or can't understand like the the depth and like this, I guess, like systemicness of these topics, you know? Um, so I think that when we just kind of reached the surface, then people don't understand how much of an impact it can have and does have on people's everyday lives. Yeah, I was just going to comment that I feel like even at the kind of he talked about like the baby intro level to either one of those topics. I feel like it's such an obvious intersection and people rarely include that. Mm -hmm. um, there is like I was talking to some students about harm reduction in like clinical practice not too long ago. And I was talking about how like very obviously the drug war is racist and was racially motivated. And, you know, I threw up all these stats and charts and stuff. And I was having I had a line of students that were coming up and kept telling me versions of, I had no idea about this. And these are medical students. They're very smart. They're very educated. Like, I didn't know this. This is horrifying. What can I do now? Yeah. So I'm just like, this is, I feel like, like training wheel level harm reduction is understanding that particular context. What I really love about um, <laughs> Julia Noir number one, because I, I can't <laughs> talk to the second one, um, is that... Um, uh, is that it like the the project that you have in mind um is like a really is a positive project it like you know i'm not i i understand why like a lot of the um kind of harm reduction stuff especially uh in relation to the overdose crisis is like a is always like a kind of um you know a, a negative project but like there's something about like the the blend between like the past and the in the future that I, I really like because it kind of creates this positive project of possibility um, to it. Thank you. That's what I was kind of going for. Cause I think that it is so easy for like fear mongering to take over and like, oh, it's just so dangerous, like codes of silence. Like there's just so much like, I don't know, we can coexist with these things. I don't know why it has to be like one thing is winning and the other or the other one is, you know? And like, I even, I remember reading some study about the like language that doctors use when like prescribing medications and stuff like for like chronic illnesses like cancer or like other ones that are in the public eye and like seen as like scary and like a threat um like like war-like terms you know here like, as if your body is some sort of battlefield and like for sure i think it is politically sometimes but in an actual like chemical sense that's so harmful to be like i don't know just medical industrial complex is just so weird 
Oh yeah, no, it's, it's true. I've started seeing some pushback against that too, especially in cancer spaces. Like, talk, like stop talking about fighting. Stop talking about being a survivor. Like it's not, it's not a battle for everyone, and they don't want to frame it that way. Like it works for some people, but not others. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about a lot of things in terms of surviving them, but I feel like cancer is probably like the ultimate example of that. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like it is very public facing. We hear about it a lot. Um, Yeah, I feel like we could talk a lot about medical intersectionality here. Um, I actually met Mallory through um, um, kind of a lot of overlap when you were preparing to go to medical school at one point, but you shifted gears, you know, like lots of people do in college. Um, So yeah, there is a lot of a lot left to be desired in terms of how we conceptualize of health and medicine and how physicians and nurses talk about it. So it's another great avenue for that here in Joyo. Uh, I was going to say, so we've, we've kind of dived into what we love about, about this, um, but maybe, um, so folks are listening to this podcast, like a, a, kind of like you're like we're, we're been trying to not do like a, a 101 kind of podcast. So I'm not going to get you to explain what harm reduction is. Um, <laughs> but um, just for folks who might be less familiar with um, Afrofuturism, uh, which is, you know, the kind of like aesthetic and theoretical um, base that you're kind of moving out through into this piece. Um, maybe you could like just give like us like a quick um, explanation or what it means to you even. Yeah. So Afrofuturism, like every futurism, is kind of imagining a world, a different world, um, but also calling to the past, you know, um, maybe like reimagining the past so that the future is different. And so with Afrofuturism specifically, it's usually an imagination or an imagining of the world currently or in the future where like blackness is not like vilified and where black people are allowed to just exist, (laughs) you know? Oh my God, those like TikToks, it's like, like, black people are never really alone. There's always going to be like a white person in your business. (laughs) But but yeah, so an imagining, we're just... And honestly, now that I'm reflecting out loud on this, I'm like, dang, we're literally just like imagining a future where we're like chilling and like able to live in peace. It's like so messed up, but also something to work towards for sure. I mean, it's not just black people. Like, yeah, for sure. We have struggles, (laughs) but I mean, like because of anti-blackness, all these other things domino effect from that, which is so wild to me. And I always like come across people who are like, well, there's all these other problems, but it's like, yeah, like they're all really rooted in anti-blackness, almost all in America anyway. That's almost always what it is. So just kind of imagining a present time and a future where that's not the case. All of our issues don't stem from anti-blackness and racism. Um, yeah, working towards that for sure. <laughs> I think kind of jumping from that point, you're kind of, you know, talking about how the like recognition and remembrance of the past is a pretty crucial to being able to move forward in a way that's like intentional. Can you kind of talk a little bit more on that note about 
kind of the the intersection intersection might be the wrong word but can you kind of like compare afrofuturism and its relationship to afro pessimism mm -hmm. and maybe like how that informed the development of your zine or your outlook as you created it so afrofuturism is a direct contrast to afro pessimism afro pessimism being like the stance and also like understanding of black people as like objects in white supremacy and um, experiencing all these bad things um, that can be explained away by other kind of like socioeconomic categories like class or maybe even just like geographic location. Um, so basically the idea that black people are cursed and then like you have Afrofuturism, which is not even like we're shedding that. <laughs> And I think that honestly, right now, I think there's kind of a balance like in like 2022, I think that culturally there's kind of a blend of those two things. Um, yeah, I think people do tend to get mired in the past, but it's like, what are you working towards to change that, you know? I feel like that in some ways also important important for being able to continue to improve upon racism and white supremacy. And I'm by improve upon, I mean, destroy. <laughs> um, but it's I feel like it, it also reflects kind of one of the reasons why we wanted to create this podcast is because we realized it was critical for people to be able to at least imagine something to work towards. Mm -hmm. Like there hasn't been within living memory for virtually all of us there hasn't been a point where we haven't been ruled by the drug war in that particular context it's been everywhere all the time it's all we know so we had to necessarily kind of create like a little crumb of you know imagining a better future and is that is that kind of a similar template here like the idea to kind of give people some hope to work towards and something to picture oh Absolutely. I remember reading or not reading. I was, it was a podcast. <laughs> um, there, oh, she's a doctor. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up later. But she, I was like an hour long podcast. And I remember being so like impressed upon, like I was so affected by her saying that like, we really do have to imagine the future because we literally know nothing else. And there's no way, especially just with the way that the United States was conceived, like developed and created all these systems and structures in place. We truly don't know anything else, especially like an American black person who has like no ties to their homeland. It's like you truly have to imagine something better because I mean, if you, you what is it like that really corny, like motivational poster where it's like your thoughts become your words your words become your actions and like something like that like yeah like your actions become your destiny or something like that yeah um, it like, is cheesy but it's not necessarily wrong sometimes you know hokey stuff is like you know, it touches <laughs> on a special place so that's why it's hokey <laughs> people say all the time because it hits one of those inner truths <laughs> um, just in a very particular way um i i, I want to just um uh swing back to one of the earlier things just in terms of like like what like what, when i was when 
Claire first um, told me about your zine. I was like, "Well, that's so cool!" Because I, I like I have never I, I I knew I know very little about Afrofuturism. I'm trying to learn little by little. Um, <laughs> but the, like, but just like the the entanglement with um, with harm reduction as like a, a as like a, a principle and like because I, I I don't I feel like that's like really at least to me I again like I'm not very informed here but like it feels very novel. It, it, both a fictional and in the the new sense and and so what is that kind of um uh entanglement um of you know harm reduction afrofuturism mean to you yeah um honestly i think especially in like a future we've imagined where things are no longer carceral um people have bodily autonomy <laughs> um especially in a historical context where like for example, the father of gynecology ran a bunch of experience, experiments, not experience, on um, like Black enslaved women and with just like gynecological surgery, just like no pain medication, no bodily autonomy, you know, stuff like that. I think that these two things come together um, where there's just, I mean, bodily autonomy, I think, is the, the running theme, to be honest with you having the autonomy to i mean really just do what you like exist <laughs> comfortably um so i'm thinking in terms of like specifically i'm thinking like pain medication and how um like black people tend to be underdiagnosed it even when they ask we i say that even when we ask for it um yeah being able to decide for yourself what is good for you um, in a way that's not harmful to other people, of course, but yeah, bodily autonomy, I think is what is where that joins together. One of the things I think is especially scary too, kind of talking about like the issue of pain and like uh, the undertreatment of pain for black bodies is this, the fact that a lot of that is taught, like sometimes it's definitely someone thinking to themselves, well, of course they're in pain, but I'm not going to treat it because reasons. But then I've also met lots of people that very sincerely believe because someone taught them at one point that black people have thicker skin with fewer nerve endings. They have a higher pain tolerance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so it's, um, that was one of the things that kind of like knocked me down when I first learned that I was like, people are literally learning this in school. Oh my um, I don't worse. think it's, yeah. I'm just like, uh, I remember I went on a um, a rotation when I was in paramedic school and I was in the operating room and this anesthesiologist was telling me how he has to give Benadryl to his black patients. And I was like, why? And he was like, oh, they drool more. It's like, they absolutely do not. <laughs> there is no different. Um, so yeah, I got in trouble for back talking, but it's just for you. Yeah. Oh yeah, Claire. <laughs> I was like, this is just such bullshit. But um, yeah, it was. Um, it's it's another. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm especially glad that this is something that you're creating and we're able to talk about because of how horribly entrenched the opposite direction can be, and how it's like reinforced by really formal structures that feel uh, kind of uh, valid. Because it's it feels harder to be like, well, this is bullshit, even though I learned it in school. If you learn something in school, you tend to think of it as like 
true and correct. So, which is really um, funny. I used to get in trouble so often when I was in school. Yay, Texas, for that. Um, <laughs> I remember getting in trouble for like not wanting to say the Pledge of Allegiance and, of course, the Texas Pledge because we have oh God. Yes. Too. Like silly stuff like this, like going against like really like dumb, bureaucratic, arbitrary rules. And yeah, I just, it is so wild to me that people don't feel the compulsion to do that, I guess. Um, that stuff doesn't just like feel wrong and then they have to like ask a question. But maybe that's just because I'm autistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like so confused by stuff that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, why? Um, one of the things we wanted to talk about was kind of, and I think this is a pretty good moment, is like, so we've already discussed how history was a really important component of the first issue of Joyo, but like, can you talk a little bit more about how history is kind of informing and building upon your imagining of futures, whether it be like harm reduction or Afrofuturism or the intersection thereof? I think by way of education, I think that a really important part of my um, like application of Afrofuturism is to I mean, like, we're not combating the past, you know, we're, we're reconciling with it, I think. And I always like to say that we don't exist in a vacuum, you know, like our, our preferences don't exist in a vacuum, like our actions, our thoughts, you know, we, we really do live in a society. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I mean, all these things are just affecting us. And I think that meeting people where they are um is really I think like an important first step as opposed to kind of just like either lobbing it off you know and separating for good or um just like ignoring it you know um I just like it's so I guess it's really hard for me to put into words I think how like why history is so important because I remember back when I lived in my housing cooperative and I was surrounded by like <laughs> all of these like white liberals who really thought they were super progressive, you know, and I, I could just never explain like why history was so important and like why um, it was so important to like see these things, face them and then move forward. But now I'm kind of thinking that it's because like accountability, I think, needs to be had. <laughs> um, and I think that people trying to escape accountability is kind of what white supremacy is built on. And um, if we don't, if people aren't held accountable for their like poor actions, their like terrible behavior and like they're just maliciousness towards other people, then there's no real learning. It's more of like a hiding. Like people need to like unlearn things before we can like add new ones, you know? Yeah. yeah. One of one of my favorite um, anthropologists um, is um, this guy named Michel Rolf Trio. Uh, he's a, a, a Haitian um, scholar, and he's got this great book called uh, "Silencing the Past," uh, which is like kind of like all about how like when you. Uh, like the way that facts work within history. So like it, in order to like make some things vocal, like other things need to be silenced in the creation, in the creation of narrative um, or in the creation of like a sense of like history. And like, like one of the examples he gives, and I'm not going to explain the Alamo to two Texans <laughs> as a Canadian, but um, <laughs> it, it is this like this, this reconsideration of, you know, like the, 
um, of, of the Alamo that was going on, like, you know, the, the replacement of this, you know, classical uh, narrative of like liberation, like looking more at the kind of complexities. Did this event actually happen? And like how in order to make that argument, you have to, you know, displace certain kind of historical evidence in order to have others. And so like I, what I kind of see um, in your work is is kind of is trying to do that, right? You're trying to bring out these relations that are maybe not so um like i didn't know i didn't know the anslinger thing that was really cool um you know like I, when i think of when i think of anslinger i think of this like international asshole who, who brought in drug <laughs> prohibition for the world um but like you know um and, and then you brought this kind of new kind of like history um into it um and uh and, and so that's kind of what what i kind of see how, what you're doing is like you know like we have this kind of sense of the facts and like you know what the drug war is and like you bring in this holy kind of new history that bring that creates new facts that you know hopefully would displace the shitty ones. Um, <laughs> the fake ones, the fake facts. <laughs> it's I funny think, that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just saying it's funny that you mentioned the Alamo because there is actually a really big like kerfuffle here. Uh, the a couple of historians wrote a book. Uh, called like forgetting the Alamo and it's all about how like the narrative of the Alamo is essentially puff and a lot of it is false and it's meant to just kind of like gin up like this loyalism um, and it became such a hot button issue like they were going to do a talk about it at a museum and state legislators pressured the museum to cancel the talk that they were going to pull their funding or their donations rather. And um, it became just, and it was one of those things that was a little embarrassing. I'm like reading this. I'm like, y'all look really, I don't and know. That, it was now, now that's silencing the past. <laughs> See? Yeah. There you Very go. Forcefully. I'm yeah. just like, it's um, really need to get over this. I was like, I don't, I don't think many people can earnestly believe past the age of like 10, that the <laughs> mythos of the Alamo can really be that accurate, but um, it's too good to yeah. be true. <laughs> Texas is like, I love, I love Texas. Like I am so Texan. It hurts. Like Texas is so cool and diverse. The shape Same. is really, like, I'm not like a pro, like I'm not like obsessed with borders, you know, but like, <laughs> Cool shape and their rivers. I don't know. My people are from here. I just like, yeah. <laughs> my leadership, though. Yeah. I tell people that a lot. I'm like, you know, I can I can drag on Texas because I'm here, but y'all can't. But I was like, we have a fantastic state, except for our leader, <laughs> right? And some other things, but yeah. Wasn't um, there at UT? Isn't there like a? Aren't they going through with the like? What is it? The like conservative basically think tank on campus. I forgot. Yes. Yeah. What's it called? The Freedom Institute. Yeah. Something like, oh, Liberty Institute. Yeah. Oh. So it's literally a bunch of conservative, um, rich, powerful people to be blunt are going to create a little conservative think tank on campus to try to push back against, you know, the liberal indoctrination of our Texas youth. Is this different? Like they were like no CRT. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Is this different than the University of slash in Austin? It is different. <laughs> yes, it actually is. It's a it's an unfortunate residue, I think, of all the 
like this sudden burst of libertarians we've gotten that have like flocked to Austin. <laughs> we start oh, getting, cool. yeah, uh, Elon came I mean, and then just everything fell. <laughs> that one had some names on it though, like Steven Pinker yeah. and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Or just for folks who don't know, the University of it slash in Austin is <laughs> a joke by uh, a historian named Ted McCormick. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, um, they tried to make a University of Austin too. <laughs> Yeah. Like a second one that was like, they're like, we don't like all this. Like we want to protect free speech. That's why we're going to have a for-profit board that is just made up of us. So we can decide who we hire. Um, and then all of the famous people left pretty much immediately. And so I was wondering if they're like, oh, we can't make our fake university by the same name. So maybe we'll just make a little tiny institute. They may have, honestly. I love my favorite part of their website is how they're like, you know, we're a serious university. We're going to pursue accreditation. And then you click on their thing about degrees and they're like, about that, we have no degrees and don't plan to offer any. <laughs> I'm like, what's this about you being a university? In this? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so weird. Anyway. Uh, so like in terms of, the, I was just thinking in terms of the silencing, like it's kind of, it, it, feel, it would feel kind of wrong in my heart if we didn't, if it, maybe if you didn't walk through the story of um, Billie Holiday, uh, maybe a little bit and like kind of like what that, like, um, I, I don't know, <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave that one open. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like, it's really funny because I, I don't remember what it was earlier we were talking about that reminded me of this because I was also I was thinking on her, about her I think about her all the time she was <laughs> so wronged but um yeah. like the the fact that drug use is so so illegal and that like I mean of course you have your like black people in the U.S. that are like hyper policed and stuff like that and then the fact that all these like rich and famous black people are all like on drugs all the time because they're so like it's such like a like a relief and like like chill moment and they're otherwise really hectic lives being just like publicly vilified privately vilified i'm sure um but yeah thinking about billy holiday and how she i think she was i don't even honestly know if she was like dependent on heroin like in a in a like a physical dependence. Uh, I'm sure it was like a psychological one, which is obviously like just as impactful, but thinking about how she was doing heroin all the time and she was just so stressed. <laughs> like, that's like, just talking it up to that. Like, I can't even imagine, like, I actually watched the Hulu um, adaptation, which I mean, it's all right, but like, you know, obviously her song, Strange Fruit. And like, I can't even imagine singing that song all the time being like, attacked for stating like an honest truth and then like I don't know like what what else do you do when no like person you have no community because your community is being broken up by Henry Anslinger who like went after her for no reason he was probably just jealous I don't know I'm just gonna say it can I can I read um this quote from from the zine because I I I I I loved all the words and I just like uh like the Federal Bureau of Narcotics justified ripping apart families and communities because Black Americans were 10% of the total, po- this is a quote, sorry, 10% of the total population, but 60% of the addicts. After Harry Anslinger heard about white actress Judy Garland's dependence on heroin, he gave her some friendly advice and a letter of recommendation. Um, <laughs> for, for a white socialite in D.C., he refused to taint her reputation with an arrest and helped decrease her substance dependence. 
Harry Enslinger hunted and tortured. Yes, actually. Billy Holiday like an animal for daring to drugs while black. Punishing black people was and is a business. I like I that stuck with me so hard. I, I love daring to drugs while black, but um <laughs> yeah, I feel like honestly, like maybe I'm just like racially traumatized, but I totally think that drugs would be like pretty legal in the US if there wasn't like a black population. If like the slave trade never happened, people in the US would be doing drugs all the time. <laughs> legally. It'd be like Portugal probably. And it's I like, think that tracks. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure they do drugs all the time, but yeah, I, I'll take this, I take the sentiment. Yeah. Did you know that they actually like in the pharmaceutical industry that um oh man, I don't remember like the exact fact I was actually thinking of, but it's something along the lines of they do a lot of their like beta testing for their medications in the global south because Americans are literally like they're it's so hard to find someone who is not on drugs, like not like doing drugs. Um, because we're all like medicated, we're all sad, you know, <laughs> we're all stressed out, we're all like rise and grind. And then it's like, I think that's so wild. And so it's like creating a problem and then like outsourcing a solution, which is going to create even more of a problem. And that's even more unethical. <sighs> that's like the, yes. the Johnson and Johnson vaccine um, was made uh, by Janssen, which was a company created by the Belgians um, in in Congo, I, I I'll have to double check that one. Um, uh, and it like it wasn't even available um in that country afterwards. They had to like fight yeah. in in court in order to get access. Um, but it was like it it was created basically for like by this co- company that was created during a a very particularly brutal um colonial regime uh but um it's but like yeah it was just like one of these things like it was not um uh like an accessible vaccine and it's kind of it was made within this very racialized colonial kind of context too yeah and it's like using black people as like disposable test subjects that is so i mean that's so like white supremacist so colonial and Honestly, like during the course of like the time we've been talking, I've decided that I don't believe in black pessimism. That is just like <laughs> not true. Like I like these are so like this is so deliberate. Like someone did this to these people on purpose to make money and to like benefit their own like culture and like country. Black pessimism is not like I mean, I'm sure like the pessimism is real. I don't think like the underlying belief is real at all. Like there's no like there's no like unknown force that's doing these things it is quite literally like european colonizers and they're doing it on purpose the whole idea of colonization to extract value and like take it with you as opposed to like putting it back into your community um all while like ruining those communities is like yeah that's colonialism and it's on purpose yeah i think it's probably harder to see if those structures are around you all the time and never go away and they're in like hidden capacity too because it just it like necessarily shifts your entire context so you have to like work especially hard to see it for what it is yeah and that's how it is like here in the u.s i'm sure because i mean there's there was so much energy going into like segregation and like educate like racial education you know um so like back up these lies that are being told to us and it takes some time it takes time to unlearn and like 
it's very, it's an intentional process for sure. That's not something you're going to come across. And I think that like all these older people who are like, oh no, all like information is happening. And I'm like, like, what? yeah, you know, if you had taken the time to critically think about the situation, you would realize, you would have realized a long time ago that you're wrong. And I was actually talking to one of my friends and we were talking about like white culture <laughs> and how like it really is so individualistic that it's like like that sucks i think that so many people are out here like seeking something different and they literally cannot find it because of like the racism that is in the u.s like the powers that be and by that i mean like institutions are maintaining these historical like just historical intentions almost you know like they're doing what they were put in place to do and whether or not that was written down it's continuing to this day yeah but like you know connecting back to both of us being from texas i don't know if this happened to you i was taught at one point in middle school that the civil war was all about states rights (laughs) so kind of going yeah like you were talking about how we like very intentionally work to continue reinforcing things that if you just looked at them twice would realize is not accurate (laughs) like the fact that people are still teaching kids today that no it wasn't slavery the south really you know they weren't racist they just you know cared about their independence as a state i'm like (laughs) bullshit (laughs) all of it i feel like anyone with half a brain i shouldn't say that that's kind of a shitty thing to say i feel like anyone that you like considers the truth for more than a moment would see that that's utter garbage and the fact that it like continues to be reinforced within curriculum which is another thing that texas does because we're so gigantic we make decisions for basically the rest of the country on on things like that and i just saw that again on twitter the other day like someone's kid came home and they're like guess what i learned the civil war was about states rights (laughs) no this again I don't want to think about the shitty settler colonial history. I learned about the history of Canada. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm sure. Oh yeah. I feel like Canada is like very, like, I feel like Canada's indigenous people are like the U S is black people. I think that's like very much like built on that same hierarchy, just like different. I agree. I will note that native American folks are also incredibly over-policed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just to uh, uh, pivot a bit. Um, so one of the things like you talked about in uh, in the zine um, was about like, uh, like the, I, I love about this like leading with like imagination. Um, and I was just like wondering what that term, like what, what does that term kind of mean to you in, in terms of like imagining like harm reduction and drug futures, harm reduction futures and drug futures? Yeah. Um, I think that leading with imagination is just, I mean, it's also, I think, a little, like, pandering to our inner child, but, I mean, yeah, like, we were talking about before how the, like, these systems have been put in place to specifically discourage us from thinking this way and, like, thinking differently than we've been taught that, I mean, you just absolutely have to lead with your imagination because, Otherwise, like you, you have no plan, you know, you have to conceptualize it before you can execute it well anyway. (laughs) But yeah, I, 
imagination is so important especially when you are like it's like adding a little a little layer of mysticism on like a, a world that is just not made for that is not there yet and it's concrete and it's gray sometimes and I don't know imagining rainbows and color and just new things get creative with it it's ours to build you know that's well put I feel like in a lot of ways imagining a brighter future is an act of rebellion just all on its own like just the imagining part yeah because I mean that will also get you in trouble too yeah (laughs) Yeah. I'll be like I don't know just especially like me being like an autistic kid like being I got like sort of lucky because like I went to a school where my mom was a teacher so like I don't know like you know I wasn't like super messed with my mom would hear about it of course and like protect me but like even then I was still pretty like I felt really policed and like watched um a lot and like I don't know just like asking questions like that people didn't expect to hear or like didn't want to answer like you're met with like rage and upset from authority figures and I like, I mean, if it's going to happen anyway, you might as well go big. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what would your kind of, what would your imagined like Afro future be? Ooh, I would think like, I want to take it above like safe injection sites. I think that I would love like a, a centralized government. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Um, that administers like safe draw, like you, like, I guess like drug paraphernalia, like supplies. Um, If people want it, I think, I don't even know. I'm also like on a larger scale or like maybe like a more expansive. um, Do it, lead with imagination. (laughs) It's all right, I I need to be reminded sometimes. I don't know, maybe doing drugs in space, that sounds really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Like we talked about that before for sure <laughs> oh my god that sounds so awesome and like you could bask like in the glow of like the sun but like without the atmosphere a lot of radiation but yeah i think your bodies can handle it i don't know time. <laughs> um like that future where people talk about how like robots do the work and then it's a like economy of leisure so people are just like painting and like making art and like living their lives autonomously but also like for themselves and also for like maybe the greater good if they're into that sort of thing I think I'm like yeah higher taxes (laughs) (laughs) I don't need that money I'm literally chilling like not like it wouldn't be so much of a material future you know, like more of like an experience-based one and like a community-based one and like, like, yeah, drugs enhancing that even like, like I'm thinking like shrooms and like ceremonies and like rituals, like cultural rituals and like religious ones, um, like legal. And honestly, like the concept of legality, like what are we even doing? Like for what? I, yeah, just like decarceral, like at- bodily autonomy being handed out left and right, you know? <laughs> you, <laughs> you get some bodily you autonomy. Get <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you're going to okra this thing. <laughs> I feel like I'm imagining the meme of that. I feel like that's going to be a good like reaction pick. Yeah. Um, 
I'm like <laughs> wondering if I should. Okay, so I think this really calls to mind uh, my experience meeting the CEO, the executive director of the map of maps. What does that stand for? Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. Sweet. Is that really what it is? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. Learning the acronyms is half the drug policy game. I know it really <laughs> is. Um, but Rick Doblin, right? I remember hearing him speak at an SSDP, Students for Sensible Drug Policy <laughs> conference, <laughs> one year, years ago, I think like 2017 or 2018. And I remember him talking. First of all, I'm pretty sure he's like never met a black person in his life. Um, like, I'm so sorry, but like, I have to say this. So I remember him saying, like, someone asked him about his like clinical trials for psychedelics, and um, I think it was MDMA for like PTSD. And he was like, no. First of all, this is like he's like Canadian, from what I remember, and like he did the clinical trial in Canada, and he like. It's like no we don't have any like he said no like he said black and then he was like african-americans and i was like they wouldn't be african-american because they're in canada it's <laughs> like like he just seems just so like taken aback by that question about like including people of color in his clinical trials and on the clinical trials that maps is doing and i was just so like so honestly really disgusted I was like wow like this like why is this person I mean first of all you're stealing like sacred plant medicines from like this land it's indigenous to like North America Turtle Island and like and then you're like taking them regulating them and then trying to sell them back to people which is like now that I'm saying it out loud like yeah like exactly of course that's what he's doing but he's like yeah he's like a white businessman I I I hear, I hear your point, and I I mean, like I I feel like some of the there, there's a lot to be said about the the stuff around like appropriation and like right. just pure theft. Yeah, <laughs> like, appropriation right. almost is a little too nice. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, not a little too nice. Um, but maybe maybe something like like could you tell us about some like work that or a involvement that you have? Um in like the psychedelics community or somewhere you'd like to see it go yeah i'm actually not too deep deep into like um like psychedelic drug policy right now um i do definitely like laud psychedelics for their i don't know their like potential to heal people and like heal generational trauma and like yeah, I, I really would like to see the psychedelics movement become more inclusive and also more accessible to people of color. I think that, like, especially Black people, it tends to be, like, weed and nothing else, or it's, like, like, yeah, that's, I feel like mainstream, um, like, Black culture is, like, very, like, yes, weed, like, not really doing other stuff. You get, like, your quirky, like, content creators who are, like, they're, like, tripping all the time. It's awesome. I love that. But it's still very new um, to see. Um, yeah, I think that, like, I also would just love to see some Indigenous sovereignty, but that's that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. A, a recent push by the Native American church. I'm sorry if I have that name wrong um in terms of like banning like the the use of like um peyote um 
like mostly for like like there, there's obviously like I, I think like most of the justification for it was like for ecological purposes because like it is the sacred plant that you know it takes it can take mm-hmm. up to five years to to grow so mm-hmm. like you know a bunch of a, a bunch of white people just coming in and you know tearing up all the peyote cacti cacti is like you know ruining bad. ecosystems yeah uh, it's like all the white people the frogs oh yeah and i was gonna say like the ayahuasca terrorism too mm, and like yeah. that was like there's a lot of deliberate work in the in the ritual and the work that goes around the consumption of ayahuasca and then you get the people that do not give one tiny shit about that and we'll just go down there and they're like i want to trip really hard <laughs> so yeah. that makes me think like how i was talking about earlier about like white culture like people really search like white Americans specifically. I don't think this really applies to like, uh, like European, like people from Europe. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I really do think that like people like white Americans are searching for something and they don't know how to like properly do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're going through what they've been taught. So they're like going and like stealing the shit and like appropriating it and colonizing land and it's in the colonizing space and it's just like like dang like community would fix that like this there needs to be just like a huge overhaul of like american culture for sure but sorry my cat <laughs> um, <laughs> oh what i was gonna say was that i don't like i'm like are they like I can't imagine that these pirates are tripping in like a fun way. Like I can't imagine like like the god that they're contacting, they're coming into contact with being like, this is gonna be fun for you. Like I imagine like I like you're doing like you're doing a sacred plant, you you stolen it and you're just like doing it wrong. Like I can't imagine that's even a pleasant experience. Like I don't know like why that's like a thing. I, I remember this one person on Twitter get not it wasn't in terms of ayahuasca it was in terms of the the bufo alvarez I mispronouncing it probably like toad which by the way I as far as I am aware does not actually have any uh, indigenous like or like I I haven't heard of any nation that like says that they use this um fuck and I, I think potentially one of the reasons why um is because you kind of have to murder the frog to to get the 5-meo dmt um from it because it's it's like defense mechanism right and so like you have to like lick the frog's like salivary gland like um uh glands in order to to get access to it and someone on twitter was like because i was talking about how i think this is absolutely fucking evil and uh just like this most fucking settler colonial um you know white psychedelic bro like attitude like to, to choose this because people are like it's more natural than getting like synthetic 5-meo dmt and it's like but like you have like you have to murder this like animal like what kind of um you know like i don't know how you could have a good trip from that and he's like have you ever tried talking to one of the frogs about it and i was like <laughs> man like i don't think you've talked to one of the frogs about it so don't don't get heavy about this um is there no um, way to get it without killing the frog? I mean, you can just we can just manufacture five meo DMT like it. There, it's like a, a, a chemical that can very easily be made. Um, but it's chemicals, Mallory. It's chemicals. Uh, you're right. <laughs> I am vegan. I don't do that. But I'm gonna kill. 
Well, we used to like get hormones from mares. I was progesterone, I think. Like its brand name is Primarin, and I didn't realize that that was a literal reference to the fact that it used to be extracted from poor female horses. <laughs> no, isn't it? It's from horse urine, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that movie oh. John Tucker must die. Yeah. She's like yeah. horse pee pills yeah. or whatever. Fun horse pee pills. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that. Of- I- of horse piss no (laughs) it's another example of how like we draw these like these arbitrary lines that end up actually not only making no sense but harming us this idea that like things that are natural are somehow superior like not only is that not true but it can actually lead you to conclusions that are actively worse for the world like it's better to terrify a frog to death than just (laughs) like using a synthesized version of the compound but yeah so like like but i mean like that's it's kind of different because like um yeah like that's like waste right (laughs) that's like waste in a sense like whereas like this is like yes uh you know literally harming an animal for like you're going out of your way because you don't you don't like the idea of doing a a, a chemical um, yeah I guess a, you are still it's i guess a better analogy might be that we used to kill rabbits to do pregnancy tests <laughs> and it would take several days if you've ever heard like the phrase like and even i think this is a really old-fashioned phrase and i'm older than you mallory but it was like it used to be this thing you have to wait and see if the rabbit dies and that was like never heard that before Oh, I have to like look this up so we can put it in the show notes now. It was bonkers. Like, I need, like, I need a clip of some old timey wimey doc, like doctor, um, just like talking about this. Was like, you know, just pulls the gloves on. <laughs> uh, oh wow! Like cocaine and wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we used to sacrifice bunnies to do pregnancy tests interesting so in response to having hcg in your urine which means you're pregnant the ovaries of a rabbit responded by swelling in size and turning a bright yellow color and to investigate the rabbit's ovaries scientists would kill it and look at their ovaries oh my god why you know they couldn't do that like oh i guess i didn't have like x-rays because marie curie wasn't there yet (laughs) yeah see there you go anyway um, all of these fun little memory lane things here shall so shall we should, should we it. give it a shot Clearly, yes. like just totally spontaneously okay okay one two three would, would you, you do, do this, this drug, drug? <laughs> so um for this uh segment of would you do this drug um we've decided to switch it up a little bit um and, and part of this came from so in, in trying to um prep for this episode um i i went and i tried to because normally sorry normally when we do would you do this drug um we like we find sci-fi drugs that um uh people have like written about like we don't i'm not i don't necessarily read the book or watch the whole series in order to get to it um but we'll we'll pull some information off from online or we'll go on twitter and people have sent us drugs that they you know I've seen it in science fiction. Um, and so I thought for this episode, just because like there is, you know, this like huge canon of Afrofuturist literature that I would I would go and try and find some stuff from there. Just 
just maybe hopefully we could expose some folks to some new um readings to do and stuff like that i could be exposed to them as well it'll all be fun and great i couldn't i i, I couldn't find anything that um like I, I normally try to do like one good drug and then one drug that like you know it's like it's ambivalent right it's got its ups it's got its downs it's got its highs it's got its lows um and i like i i honestly i kind of struggled um the the closest i could get uh, i'll finish my preamble soon i promise uh, <laughs> um uh was um one there's like so in like parables of sour by octavia butler which is on my on my reading list soon um there was two drugs and one of them is pyro which is known to destroy th where people who take it are known to destroy things set fires and you and even murder other individuals and i i kind of felt that that was like a written in like the perspective of like the crack epidemic and how that was kind of framed um and then there was like another substance called and i'm probably gonna mispronounce it um parateco which was like a, a study drug um however um it had an unintended side effect called hyper empathy syndrome and it could also lead to women having miscarriages like this is an unknown side effect that one of the characters finds out later spoilers sorry um and uh and i like i was just like man like mallory's whole thing is like this super positive like you know it's ba like balanced like it's harm reduction right like kind of harm reduction is inherently like a, a balanced kind of thing but like I, I was like fuck man like where like all the like we we need some we need some good good drugs to fill in here and so what we're gonna do today um is i'm gonna give you a prompt um and uh you're going to come up with um a, a a new fun drug and i've i've taken um this one from your zine <laughs> uh so the quote is getting high on alien drugs makes you feel like you're touching god but in a sexy way mallory <laughs> <laughs> i love it thank you Ooh, okay so this actually makes me think okay if you've ever seen american horror story season two it would be where they're at the asylum they get like abducted there's a bunch of aliens in the show in the season as like recurring characters and they have like an attachment to this one man in the show and he has like this wife who like i don't know they don't have any kids they i don't know if they can have children but like after she's abducted she's like pregnant but like in the meantime they show like his dreams of her and like she's just in like this it's like water on one side air on one side and it's like she's like in the water and like she's in the water and like out and she's like in the air and i just like feel like that little like median midline right there that that's what i'm like imagining this drug feeling like but like not in, like a scary alien way as much as like well if it's an alien drug they're there yeah. right so <laughs> so how do you how do you consume this drug Ooh, i kind of want to think like transdermally like i don't want like to have like things on me if i'm gonna like be rising up and meeting god herself like i'm like you know like i don't want to be weighted down by like my earthly possessions <laughs> <laughs> so it would need to be easy yeah exactly it's like you do it you're naked right 
and you put a patch on. That's what it is. What would the drug be called? Um, I would like maybe like protoplasm. I, I think like that's that. like very like alien sounding. It'd be very like war of the worlds, but like in a cool way, like not war, peace. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I will say that that drug you mentioned earlier where everyone's like fire, like like the fire one where everyone's like setting fire and killing people. Like, oh yeah, pyra. That seems like I'm not opposed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. You have to burn down what's here to like build over it. <laughs> I, I like it. That's a very beautiful uh, interpretation. And I'm also like, as long as you're like feeling good on it and you're not like stress killing, like if you're like, like, I don't know, I don't want to be like angry killing unless the anger was also like very euphoric. And I think that fire is always really cool when you're doing drugs or using drugs. You know? <laughs> I guess it would also be important to know like how you're feeling while you're setting these fires. Like, are you outraged or are you, like you said, feeling like you want to cleanse and rebuild? Yeah. Uh, you just like, you just do, like, do a line it's like canslingers <laughs> like some people just want to watch the world burn <laughs> really, yeah like Enjoy watch me right. <laughs> exactly and it's just like a big fuck you to like harry anzinger and like you know sometimes when i'm feeling really depressed and have like no motivation my motivation is like to make racist angry and i'm like oh, they would be so mad if i were happy right now so <laughs> I like it. May as well okay. like use the use the shitty for good. Exactly. And also like, yeah, I think burning stuff down, like for legal reasons, this is a joke, but like I think sorry, I forgot to do my this is a, a speculative um exercise. So like there's <laughs> no, like the, yeah. this is just for fun, like the like future past present employers. Um this this is all made up. It's not real. It's no not one is real. literally burning things down right now. No, I'm actually I used to be have like a huge fear of like fire. It really scared me. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean like yeah, it's fire, whatever, but like huh, maybe it's because I'm an air sign. Ooh. I don't know if I have anything to do with that, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I want to name that. <laughs> Aside from the whole sensation that you're feeling God in a sexy way, what would there be any other effects of this of of your protoplasm jug? Maybe like um, I don't know because it's like okay, so I'm thinking MDMA the way that it makes you like not register bad things as much and like mm. you can like process things more easily. I think like you would need that if you're meeting God, you know, you would need to be able to process that experience yeah. and not like super scare you. Cause like, I'm thinking like God, but also like biblical angels you know? <laughs> are terrifying. So scary. I've always wanted to see one. Not that like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, not right now, but I'm ready. But like, yeah, like just like, 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 scary like powerful like awe-inspiring but like in a way that is like consumable yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah I'm um that's a actually really good point like what would that even be like would we even be able to perceive it that's like one of my things about like if we ever find aliens like we always think of them mm. as like kind of humanoid bipeds right and i'm like ah I, we may not be able to like really perceive or understand them as like a thing I feel like God would be a pretty similar, pretty similar deal. <laughs> Just like uh, it was like the art arbitrary distinction that like um, Donna Haraway talks about this, like uh, that folks use um, 
uh, for like what is like a sentient being it's like the can it recognize itself in a mirror uh, <laughs> uh, uh and, and, and like like what <laughs> they, they like you know like this alien just brings you up to their their like spacecraft and like they just put this like you know <laughs> mirror or something in front of you and like but it's just empty and you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and like what if this drug did that it like not that it made you feel like nothing but maybe like everything you know like you're like yeah. seeing like nothing in the mirror but you're seeing like a reflection of like because it's like you know how like light all of light mixed together is just like white like blank mm-hmm. almost you know um as opposed yeah, to like right like it's like you it's everything like you see nothing you're seeing like blank which is not really the same as nothing i don't think I mean, that sounds pretty cool. I have to say, I'm also definitely seeing the appeal of this drug. What, yeah, what would we, what, what, what would you call this, call this drug? Just so I, I know to get the pot out now. <laughs> Protoplasm. But honestly, like, I think it's evolving. I'm thinking like slime would be like a cute, like street name. I like it, man. Yeah. And that makes sense too. It's um, like a description of texture almost yeah like it's a it's a sensation a feeling yeah and like for sure an experience but i think the experience is like the the tactile sensory part of it yeah yeah another another side effect intended effect actually i think it would make everything feel really like comfortable and like soft like (sighs) i like velvet i feel like i don't love velvet but i I love the way it feels like i would love stuff to feel like that yeah. <laughs> Everything nice. you touch feels like velvet. <laughs> yes. That's yeah, no, that's appealing. I like that. That sells. <laughs> yeah. I all take ten. Yeah. <laughs> not, <laughs> not all at once. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think you're gonna want you know, like you can't overdose on this. It's like LSD. It's just yeah. real intense. Yeah. But I mean you've seen God, so I mean like <laughs> you just gotta, you know, know your set and setting and then it'll go well. <laughs> That'd be lit. It's also a drug I think people might like to do by themselves. I think that'd be like a good because I feel like it takes a special drug for people to like like doing it alone. Um in like a way that like when when they don't like need it, you know. <laughs> like when they're like, okay, I gotta do this drug. And it's like, okay, do it by yourself or whatever. But like something that like people enjoy doing by themselves and like revel in, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Awesome. I, I think one, that's all of our questions. Does that sound true I to had you, one Alex? more prompt. I have oh. one more. I, I, so I, I have Joya number one. Obviously, I, I, I tried to find it. <laughs> Joya number two. I came up with Joya Noel. <laughs> uh, and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I can sing um, I, I, I was just looking at, like, at, at New Zealand again. And I, I love... Um, we have so much free time to pursue our passions because time is much slower around the nearest black hole. Oh, I, 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 and I was like, that kind of sounds like a cool drug. It's, it's kind of like got like this ketamine kind of thing Ooh, too. But yeah. yeah, like you're like moving through water almost. Feels like yeah. Like yeah, I like that. What would it be? What would you call it? Set the scene. The visual sign. I'm like, maybe like, I, I feel like it would have a Spanish name. It'd be like Agua, Agua Raro, like weird water. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I like how you gave it a Spanish name too. 
Mallory is like picked up Spanish super quickly, by the way. And I have to just brag on her for everyone because she's very jealous. Smart. And it's <laughs> awesome. <though. laughs> it's I have to learn Spanish this year. Huh? It's all the bad bunny that I listen to. I love him. <laughs> love bad bunny it helps to like consume things that you want to listen to as opposed to studying it makes all the difference it really does. oh yeah and like me and my autistic brain like literally i've been playing i'm staying with my friend different city and like she's like she's neurodivergent as well neurodiverse and so we've been literally jamming to my favorite song by bad bunny for the past week like on repeat literally and I'm just like, <laughs> i saw you tweet about that yesterday i think <laughs> How, like, you can, like, listen to the same song over and over for, like, weeks on end and not get annoyed by it? Yes, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a skill. <laughs> I, I I had that for, um, I just died in your arms tonight. <laughs> Got stuck in my head and then I listened to it for a day. It was on Valentine's Day. <laughs> like, I just, like, everywhere I went, I went to, like, I went to a protest and, like, I came back home, like, every, in, like in between, like, just headphones on, headphones yeah. off. <laughs> I listen to like I like my AirPods. I was listening on the plane. Like I took like five hour flight, like up north. Yep, on repeat. Mia by Bad Bunny. I also bought his concert tickets. Really like pumped. So nice. fun. So excited. Anyway, yeah. I digress. <laughs> um, did we get through everything, Alex? Um, I think that's it. I just wanted to say um, uh, what like one uh mallory thank you so much thank you guys um, great this is really really interesting and a really really fun meandering conversation i, I really enjoyed it was fun yeah um choose... <laughs> 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 yeah basically um uh, the the second thing i was going to say was um so like i struggled to find um i and i posted on twitter too like on the on our dark futurisms page we got so many so many drugs when i asked like drugs just like give up give us random ones i like put, asked for asked for ones um that were kind of afrofuturistic and uh we didn't know one, no one knew um and so that doesn't mean that they don't exist though as we've yeah. clearly created a couple um so if um folks who are listening or know someone who's listening who has like short stories poems low budget undergrad film like <laughs> films that you've made that like have um uh, that are that are kind of like within this like opera futures canon or you know or other um different kind of groups um please like send them to us um so that we can include them and then we'll, we'll include your short story in the um in the notes and that way we can help maybe flesh out people's knowledge of this stuff yeah that would be so awesome i'm so excited to see what people say because uh, i'm just like, hoping they say something <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me also i like love like to chit chat as well as <laughs> like i love talking about drugs i love talking about race and it's also like right now i'm up north so it's like different <laughs> And I like, I treasure the South. I really do love me some Texas, but like, like I always forget that like culture is just different elsewhere. And that's like so interesting to me. Yeah. You're just, that's just in the same country. 
Yeah, I mean, the U.S. is just so big, like, so yeah. big. People will be, like, on TikTok especially, people are like, eh, the U.S. And I'm like, first of all, you're 14, and you live in, like, Europe. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, you're literally French, and you think that, like, France is less racist than... Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure, Zs. But, um... <laughs> like, the French are, like, notorious for being, like, especially cruel. <laughs> like, okay. But, yeah, um... Just like people think they know what the U.S. is. And I'm like, you really don't know until you've been there. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. The U.S. is just so, like, diverse. And, like, there's just so many different, like, styles of living. And so many, like, there's just, just, I, ew, not to be, like, patriotic, but, <laughs> like, I, like living here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, that is so okay. funny. <laughs> not to be patriotic. No, <laughs> <laughs> something crazy like that never like, forget the alamo <laughs> oh my god forgetting right now like literally forgetting right now i've never heard of it what is that <laughs> i love alamo? it when one of my favorite things ever is when like tourists get super pumped and they like come down to san antonio and they're like i'm gonna see the alamo and it's gonna look amazing it's gonna be the coolest thing ever. it's not it is such <laughs> a letdown <laughs> it's such a <laughs> people go out of town to the alamo like yes in texas so bonkers there's apparently it's a big thing with like european tourists because there's this whole thing where they find the idea of like americana and like the west really romantic and so they'll make these special trips to come see like letdowns like the alamo (laughs) and they just like they get really into like the idea of like of like this romanticized idea of like davy crockett and sam houston as like I feel like romantic is the perfect word for it because it's not super accurate, but it's this very like movie stylized kind of idea. Um, The spaghetti western. I can't believe that was originally Italy. That's wild. Isn't that wild? (laughs) I also like love. I'm a huge fan of the Wild West. Like my sister thinks I'm so quirky for this, but I'm like, first of all, I'm Texan. Second of all, I'm like, as an indigenous person. Did you know that horses are indigenous to like what is now the United States? Everybody thinks they came from Europe, which is so weird. But yeah, yeah. anyway, horse riding, black cowboys, like your Mexican vaqueros, you have like your Chinese railroad road workers. Like honestly, like 1880s, like San Francisco would have been so cool, aside from like probably the bed bugs and like. <laughs> everything else <laughs> it feels like san francisco is really cool until like a bunch of rich people ruined it like yeah. even so, like you read like like you okay so like jack Kerouac's a problematic fave of mine i <laughs> 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 uh, like no i'm not i'm not gonna defend him um but like you like you read his like his his works and it's like san francisco just sounds like this dope ass place and you go there right. and you're like well city lights is still here <laughs> right oh my gosh not like how they don't have enough space to bury everyone who dies there i'm like they have that one you can't you can't bury people in the city anymore have you all heard about that one like he was like the groundskeeper or like the custodian for like one of their like the only like it's like a mausoleum or something like that in san francisco and he's like this black man he like got recognition i think from the city or something he got like a key to the city for this because he restored it um and like that's dope again after people kind of because people stopped using it you know because no one was being buried there like again super cool super cool i saw that on tumblr tumblr is where i get a lot of my info (laughs) 
Okay, I, I've got to I've got to run. <laughs> I have to go get my ADHD meds. Um, uh, this should be out in like uh, uh, not for now. <laughs> it should be out now, probably a week or two weeks. Yeah, and we'll um, tag you when it goes up. Yeah, awesome. we'll post both Joya number one people. and number two. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to send it to me. <laughs> Okay, we all how get get to your medication. I hope we yeah. get that priorities. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Drug Futurisms podcast. More information and resources for this episode are available in the show notes. If you want to help us imagine a different future, you could support us at Patreon.com/slash/DrugFuturisms. Give us a good rating on iTunes or share this podcast with a friend. Drug Futurisms is produced and hosted by Claire Zagorski and Alex Betzos. Our editor is Marcel Rambo. Our cover artist is Brooke Payne. And our original music was produced by Jake Goodison. Until next time, remember, another drug world is possible.